Hello and welcome to Design Emergency. I'm Alice Rawsthorne, co-founder of Design Emergency with Paola Antonelli, and our mission is to investigate how design can help us to build a better future by ensuring that all aspects of our lives and our ecology can thrive. In this episode, we'll explore a largely ignored but deeply problematic and wasteful aspect of architecture, the plethora of unfinished buildings that clutter our cities, towns and landscapes, having been abandoned before construction was completed. These redundant relics are the focus of the work of Dominique Saint-Frère and Emile Grippe, co-founders of the spatial design studio Limbo Accra, which is based both in Accra and New York. Dominique, who was born in the US of Ghanaian and Haitian heritage, and Emile, who's Danish, met in Ghana in 2014 and moved there in 2018 to establish Limbo Accra. They'll describe their work in compiling a digital archive of unfinished buildings, first in West Africa and eventually across the continent, and in designing ways of completing them so they can fulfil useful functions. So Dominique and Emile, welcome to Design Emergency. And, and let's begin with why you decided to found Limbo Accra. Hi, Alice. Thank you so much for having us here. Um, Limbo Accra really became as an intuitive um, exploration and investigation into the modernization of emerging West African cities. Um, and it really emerged out of sheer observation, realizing that within this capital of Ghana, which is Accra, majority of the built landscape remained unfinished. And seeing the type of developments that were taking place, which were more so in commercial, privatized real estate dealings, we saw it as an opportunity and as a source of potential to reimagine what cities in West Africa can look like through this lens of incomplete buildings. And why the name Limbo Accra? Oh, very simple <laughs> and very easy. Due to the fact that these sites are unfinished and that they exist in this in-between state of incompletion. And it felt very apt to really identify it in such a literal way and, and stating that, you know, our cities are in a state of limbo. We're not here or there as we're on the pursuit towards modernization and development. I think that the, the word limbo holds a few different interpretations and it sort of alludes to an opportunity that can go both one way or the other, essentially. It both holds the opportunity for a much more prosperous future, but it also holds the opportunity for a failed future. And I think that sort of tension between success and failure is sort of at the core of the studio and something that we, um, we're very interested and curious about. Yeah, it is a very ambiguous word. And the more I've thought about it in talking to you about your work, the more meanings I've imagined for it. So can you describe the type of unfinished architecture that you decided to focus on? Yeah, I mean, it really exists on a very, um, very broad spectrum. Um, I think some of the first buildings that we saw were these very large private investments, whether taking form as hotel or multi-storage apartment buildings. But they also extended onto the private development, like the condos or the private houses. So they really exist on the whole spectrum of architecture. And I think when you look at them, I think we like to see them in a contrast to modern architecture in general that exists in a sort of set framework. And these buildings, because they're in the skeletal state, are still up to interpretation as to what the final design is actually going to look like. 
And why did you concentrate your work initially on, in Ghana? Did you feel that the problem of unfinished buildings was particularly prevalent there or that culturally there were more possibilities for you to pursue? Yeah, so at the time we started Limbo in 2018, I was studying at um, Lund University and I was doing my master's in international development and management and Emil was in Copenhagen studying education. And so we both decided to, to go to Ghana, go back to Ghana to conduct research for our thesis. And at the time, you know, investigating the development landscape of Accra through my work, I felt compelled to you know, investigated on a on a level where it didn't fit within the traditional context that I was, I guess, learning from from school, but rather in a real life context where the city displayed the potential for a reimagined future. And so again, as mentioned, when we were in Accra, we were very much engaged with the creative communities, with the creative arts economy, and you know, with different groups of cultural practitioners that were really pushing for a new vision and a new future for Ghana. And seeing that rise, seeing that growth and seeing that potential, we couldn't help but understand where this was going to take place when we're situated in a city where 20% of the buildings are literally unfinished. And so for us, it really just sparked an idea in our, in our minds to, instead of trying to reimagine new ways of approaching West Africa's future, why don't we already work within the contemporary ruins that exist around us today? And so now your practice is divided into two parts. There's research into unfinished buildings, identifying them and documenting them, and and also a practical design practice in terms of reinventing them. So could you describe your approach to, to both strands in, in a couple of your realised projects? And so if we begin with practice, one of your early projects was the Freedom Skate Park in Accra. So how did that come about and how did it evolve? So that is as well originated at the first activation that we've ever done in Accra of activating an unfinished estate. And through that project, we invited nine Ghanaian artists from across the country to respond to this idea of limbo, to respond to the idea of filling out this incompleted state through their practice, through their work, and through the found materiality within our environment. And for that activation, we also extended it to other local practitioners, and one of them being the Surf Ghana Collective. But at the time, they weren't able to activate within the space due to the precarity of the site. However, we retained relationship and about a year later, they contacted us to help design and build their first skate park in Ghana. This commission truly came from the fact that, you know, we were looking at unconventional ways of creating public space or showcasing how public space can manifest itself in an urbanizing West African context, whether it's through bare land or actually within the relics of unfinished buildings. And since we have the latter in abundance, that shows the opportunity to manifest new forms of public space. And what happened to the project? Because I think it was the first skate park, or at least the first formal skate park in in Ghana. Obviously, skaters skate everywhere. And it was hugely popular when it was active for a couple of years, but has since closed. 
yeah, I think it's a it's a it's an interesting case that we see at hand for such a high profile, impactful project to result in the state that it's in. I mean, our involvement on the project is really through the lens of you know helping design and helping rearticulate what a form of public space can look like. But in the actual dealings and management, I I suppose that that's where things have turned left into what we see today. But I think. Besides that, the core of the, you know, the vision, right, this idea of creating new forms of public space is really what makes Freedom Skate Park a simple project, let's say, in West Africa in terms of understanding what the potential exists within our urban fabric. And that's the um, ethos, that's the mind state, and that those are the principles that we've embedded in that project to continue to see and manifest through different projects that we'll continue to be invited to <laughs> or continue to work on and so forth. For the listeners, maybe it might be good to understand what kind of urban environment Accra um, is very, very quickly developing into, right? And we see that in, in many places that's undergoing serious modernization, that some of the old techniques of the past gets lost and other priorities comes to the forefront. And in a space like Accra, what we've seen is just like the priority of the car has taken up such a huge toll on the city. And that has come, you know, at the cost of many trees and many public spaces of the past, right? So right now the whole city is sort of transitioning. And I think for us, in any kind of urban environment, it's very important that people have access to recreational spaces that has other opportunities for reflection and repurposeful opportunities. So the second project, the Scott House Preservation Project. Yes, so the Scott House Project was a project where we were looking at different forms of preservation. We realized through our work of identifying and trying to occupy and readapt unfinished pieces of architecture that these were not only the pockets of voids or empty spaces that are nestled within our city. And by, again, growing this community within Limbo, we were invited to visit a piece of property that was built and completed in 1961 by an architect called Kenneth Scott. And, you know, this building was beautifully built and executed and housed a beautiful family for many years. However, for the past decade or more, actually no two decades, it's really been sitting in, you know, in an empty state. And what's interesting about this piece of property is that since it was built in an era, you know, during the colonial independence and so forth, it's situated on a piece of land that allows for urban vegetation. So you have, you don't really see this in Accra as well, where you have large plots of family homes where they still have massive old trees, manicured gardens and so forth for respite. Oftentimes, unfortunately, when people build in Ghana, especially in this current state, you know, the first thing someone asks is, has the land been cleared? And that meaning, <laughs> have you, you know, stripped the land of any form of vegetation? Is it bare and, and, and um, ready to be built upon? And by saying things like that and by acting in such a way when we're developing is a bit alarming to us because we completely are eradicating some of these important forms of natural biodiversity. And as Emil mentioned, the type of developments that are happening in Accra are privatized. So if we have each privatized plot or home or project completely stripped of any natural vegetation and without any consideration to that, you know, we are then already seeing how our city is evolving. 
And so coming to Scott's house, we were very attracted to the fact that this is a piece of property in Accra that lives within this um, state of green abundance and also exists in this state of emptiness since it's completely unfurnished. We wanted to, again, reimagine how this space could be looked at as a form of public space for this community of Accra and open its doors for people to learn about the history of the structures and learn about the history of the site, the architecture period, you know, the, the building was erected within, and then also have a place of respite. I think for us, that's our core mandate in terms of operating and working within West African cities, understanding where you can have pockets of respite to be able to just breathe or to be able to just sit or be somewhere without being taxed, right? Because oftentimes, you know, in these spaces, you're either meeting at a restaurant or a bar or, you know, somewhere where it's transactional. It's not like you're going down the road to meet at a park and be able to just enjoy each other's company as is. And that's something that the city of Accra is lacking. And so again, looking at alternative spaces as forms to kind of promote those ideas or promote that form of activity within the city of Accra. So Scott House is really a perfect project for that. And we were able to activate this space by collaborating with different cultural actors within the city of Accra, allowing people to enter this site, knowing that this structure exists and that the space exists. And that was really um, tremendous because we received a lot of reviews from people saying that you know, I grew up down the road from this house and I've never had access, but I've always seen this beautiful tree. And so, again, being able to open up this form of space for people was really important for us. I'd also like to ask why you think unfinished buildings, given it is a huge phenomenon in so many places, has been ignored for so long. I mean, that's, they're sort of hiding in plain sight. There's a huge stigma surrounding it in the context that we're working within. You know, oftentimes people are like, why are you going there? (laughs) Why are you working within this space? You know, it's unfinished. People get the idea, people get the point, and then they become, you know, inspired to rethink or review what their environment looks like. I assume it's also the sort of defining principle of architecture has always been to pride themselves on building a new any renovation is a is it can be a much more demanding task than building a new right especially in the in the modern era there's a lot of groundwork you have to do in order to preserve and then i guess this one comes in because i think we had a great conversation with a colleague about like how architecture is a representation of dreams and when you're building from what already exists you're prescribing to someone else's dream and then applying your own dream to it. And I think that um, that might be a, a bit of a challenge to a lot of people. So let's talk about that archive, which is an enormously important part of your work. And can you explain how and why you set it up and how it's evolved since? We really set it up because we wanted to get an, an overview, an outline to which scope this phenomenon actually existed. And I think the more buildings we found, the more just kept coming. And I think it's 
been a part of like a longer term strategy where the first part, as we talked about earlier, um, in regards to the knowledge about these buildings, then it's like it's something that's always been in front of our eyes, but we haven't necessarily questioned it. And I think that's the first mission with the archive is simply to create awareness and make people aware that these buildings exist in the world. It's very much a phenomenon and it's something that can be responded to in one way or the other. So that's sort of like the first effort. And so the second effort then becomes to start the reimagination of what they can exist as alternatively. The way we go about that is that we work with photogrammetry, which is essentially a digitalization process of objects or buildings in the real world. So you take a series of photos um, around a given object from all types of angles. The more angles, the better quality and the more data you get. And with that data, you then recreate the model digitally. And now you sort of have a digital copy. And so this digital copy holds a lot of data from the building itself. And it sort of gives you an opportunity to, one, work with the skeleton that is there. But it also allows us to decentralize that part of the research. Because as we know now, um, most, most people in the world do have access to a smartphone. And most of the smartphones do have cameras. And so we don't, we don't necessarily need anything more than what all of us runs around with in our pockets in order to expand the archive. And I think that that is a very democratizing process that we can really like sort of yeah, decentralize the information gathering and then create some sort of like basis for what that data then accumulates into and then decentralize the idea generation again afterwards. And where are you conducting this research? Is it just in West Africa or is it broader than that? Well, we initially got support from um, the Henrik F. Owell Foundation to start the, the archive in West Africa. And on the onset, we obviously started, as Emil mentioned, scanning these unfinished structures from the city of Accra, extending into other areas of Ghana, and then further afield and in, in collaborating with other digital technologists in Sierra Leone. We went to Senegal earlier. And through this process that Emil mentioned of like this act of um, democratizing the, the process of gathering these sites, we're able to actually work in a satellite capacity and collaborate with, you know, individuals on the actual ground in proximity to the sites that we identify or they identify. And what's been really fun about that is the fact that, you know, of course, we would love to travel to every single country, every single city on the continent and visit these, you know, truly impressive structures and spaces. However, that's not a reality. Right. And so we find it very important to work with not just only architects and designers in these spaces, but, you know, just regular photographers or, you know, regular creatives and, and, and individuals that have interests with these sites. And as Emil mentioned, you know, all you really need is a camera. So whether that's, you know, uh, a DSLR camera or your iPhone or your Android or whatever the case is, we are able to produce a 3D representation of these sites and these spaces. So that work has actually been done in Nigeria. We have not yet gone to Lagos, but it's been done in Lagos. It's been done in Cape Verde. It's actually ongoing in, in Cairo at the moment. And so the idea is to really scale this model and this approach in collaborating with local individuals across the continent. 
and and see where that leads. And and this is a, as well extends not just on the African continent, but hopefully further afield, right? As we're also gaining a lot of traction, with people also letting us know that they that they've identified unfinished buildings in places like. Romania recently. <laughs> we have this, of course, this the incredible group in Italy, you know, who have started their research over 20 years ago in Sicily called Incamputu and so forth. You know, these 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 structures exist quite vast and wide. And I think the significance of building this archive is really to understand the building stock that exists on this planet that's unfinished and really understand what we're doing about them, why they exist and how they can be treated and better understood. And so basically I think our, going back to Emil's point, our core mandate is really to bring in an awareness to the fact that these spaces exist. And instead of looking at, especially the continent of Africa from a place of scarcity, that there's nothing there, but rather looking at it as a place of abundance, that there are structures there. They're just unfinished or abandoned or neglected. And how can we meet our needs, you know, through readapting these spaces? I think one of the very interesting thing about this is the testament of time. Like I'm very much looking forward to in, in let's say 20 years to look back and, and see what is what is the status now, right? And I think in you know potentially in 20 years we we, we will also know how sort of relevant <laughs> this this research is and. The hope for the future for us is that our work is unnecessary, right? That we don't end up with incomplete buildings and, you know, like either we don't build them at the first place or that we have find a model that we don't even think about it. Like we already have so many different ways we can reuse them as, right? But it might also be a future where there's a lot more of them and we simply just do not know that yet. If anyone listening to this program is living in proximity to a site, please don't hesitate to reach out to us and we can find a way where the, the scans might be a part might be a part of the of the archive. Great. And how can people access the existing archive? So we're actually just getting into building out the platform for that. We haven't launched access to the whole platform yet, but they are on view a few different places at the moment. One forum where the archive is being exhibited as the Chicago Architecture Biennale. Um, can you talk about how you put that installation together and, and what your objectives were for it? Yeah, it was a very exciting opportunity. Um, I mean, the title of the Biennale is called This is a Rehearsal. <laughs> and I think it's so apt to the fact that, you know, we're basically rehearsing different ways of, you know, reimagining our spaces and our cities. And so for this, um, for this opportunity, we actually worked closely with two uh, junior designers from London, Trini Maria Katsukwai and Thomas McLucas, to kind of create this sense of a void. The archive is titled Into the Void. And this idea is to kind of, you know, create an immersive experience for people that don't have access to this space to really tap into this sense of liminality, right? This sense of in-between and this sense of, of incompleteness. And that's really what we try to evoke and create at the, at the BNM. And so what you see are both projection mapping scans of these sites, of four key sites from Ghana, Senegal, Nigeria, 
and further afield. And then on the opposite side of the projection mapping, you have um, the actual physical photographs of what these sites exist as in this current state. And why do you feel that this problem hasn't been addressed more vigorously before? Because once you're aware of it, you realise that so many of these structures are literally hiding in plain sight. It's a huge global phenomenon, but there's hitherto been very little discussion about it. Why has that happened? First of all, there has kind of been done documentation and research of it, but there's been like sporadic from one region to the next, right? Like Dominique was talking about the research in, in Italy. I believe that's also been done in, in China and in Angola. But I want to sort of actually bring that back to a reflection that we had very much in the beginning, because, I mean, Dominique and I met in Ghana in 2014. And so when we started Limpo in 2018, we've been coming to the country for four years. And we've never noticed that the build, so many buildings were incomplete. We've never talked about it. We've never questioned it. And we've never heard anyone else talk about it either. And so when it all of a sudden like clicked for us and we sort of like saw one of them, we started to see them everywhere. And I think, you know, that notion that sometimes the most obvious things for an idea is right in front of us. We just haven't seen it yet. And it's all about changing the lens of the perspective. And so when we talk, started talking to people about the phenomenon, they were like, yeah, we actually haven't really, you know, reflected about this before, but now we see them everywhere as well. You know, so it's like, it's just, it just feels like it's one of those things where it's like, as soon as you sort of change your perspective on what the built environment is and what opportunities it holds, you have the opportunity to start that conversation. Our instinctual impulse of reimagining and readapting what these spaces can exist as was through, you know, the, the practice of the creative arts, right? So we invited artists and, you know, we threw exhibitions in this space to bring awareness. And we're realizing now that we're deepening this research is that, you know, there's much more to what these spaces can exist as because there's real needs on the continent, you know? So if you have structures that are, you know, completely unfinished and littered throughout cities, littered throughout rural villages and so forth that are being unattended to, you know, they can also be matched for opportunities to be reconverted, let's say, into a hospital or into a school or into, you know, an actual park, you know, like they don't necessarily need to be, you know, these these art driven places. They can actually meet the real needs of the individuals living in proximity to these spaces. And of course, that requires more investment and so forth. But the idea is to show that we have these these ruins, we have these relics, we have these structures that exist. You know, what can we reimagine their potential as? And one area which is sort of parallel to yours where there has been progress recently is in the growing number of architecture practices like Le Carton and Versailles, which are committed to repurposing existing structures, not necessarily unfinished ones, um, generally completed ones, by redesigning them so they can fulfil new or additional functions. Do you feel that your work relates to that at all? Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of our big inspirations, the idea of working with what already exists. I think sort of mythologically, we don't really appreciate the white canvas too much. Like there has to be something on it for us to work with it. And 
I think that it just falls very naturally for us in our inspiration and in our work to um, to work with what already exists. I think that's already uh, I think yeah, there's already too much stuff out there. <laughs> um, and there's so much that's not being used for anything or that has the opportunity to be used for something else that that approach is um, is a very viable way for um, for developing our futures. And recently you established a, a base in, in New York. What new possibilities does that open up for you? And also, if you're planning to continue to, to research unfinished buildings from there, how will your perspective on them need to be recalibrated? Yeah, so I think, first of all, um, just to give a little bit of background to why we actually moved to New York, like like I said, um, I'm from Copenhagen and, and Dom was born here, but grew up in, or like had family ties to Ghana. And it's like, you know, if you, you combine Copenhagen and Accra, you sort of get New York. And I think we were just ready to make that kind of um, transition into a, into, a, into a combination of the two spots. As for the build context of New York, I think we're still very much finding out how it relates to the practice of limbo in the sense of the architectural, like the actual built environment. But what is very interesting about New York from sort of a different perspective is like there's so much surplus of materials um, that holds a great opportunity for reuse as well. And I think our eyes have been a bit shifted towards that. But maybe, Dominique, you can also elaborate. Yeah, no, I think for us, what we're also inspired about being in, in New York and operating within this context is also understanding what this phenomenon looks like in a, in a context of Latin America and the Caribbean. I want to make a point to the fact that, you know, oftentimes you have this building stock of unfinished property developments exist in the global south due to the fact that, you know, people migrate to Western spaces in, in, in pursuit of, of economic refuge. Right. And in the act of migrating, you know, individuals are working, saving money to return that back to their home country to be able to build a new life for themselves or their families and whatever the case is. And this act of um, I guess there's a there's a term for it called remittance housing. But this action um, leads to what we see in in the cities of, of Accra, as I mentioned, in the neighborhood that we were walking in when we identified our first site and so forth of people taking 10, 15, 20 years to finish a home. And in that process of taking a decade or more to finish a home, things can happen. People die, people get divorced, people lose their job, and whatever the case is. And so you then have buildings that are completely stuck and unfinished in its state of, state of construction. And so being here, we're able to apply some of what we've been working with in Accra to the context of what we see take place in Mexico, in the Caribbean, and so forth, of people migrating from these regions to America in search of a better life. And then the, 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 and what you see in their spaces back home are, again, these unfinished or exposed structures that are in a process of construction. And so I think for us is, again, seeing how we can deepen this archive, seeing how we can continue to expand this research and really apply the thinkings and learnings we learned from Ghana to whatever context that we're operating within now. And one point I want to make as well is the fact that, you know, with working and building limbo, you know, we've also been working towards, you know, different 
solutions towards um, readaptive potentials within our built environment. And that may necessarily not be unfinished buildings, but that could also be lean to abandoned you know, properties. And I think what's interesting for the case of New York and being here, even though it's on the, the opposite spectrum of what you see in the city of Accra, is that, you know, the island of Manhattan is actually half empty, <laughs> you know, from, you know, the private speculative um, acquisitions that happen from like 23rd Street all the way up into like the Upper East Side to then, you know, um, office spaces closing because of the COVID pandemic in, in the financial district. Right. So you have two forms of typologies that are, you know, that exist within the island of Manhattan that leaves the city empty, even though we see these massive structures within its core, you know, there are empty rooms, empty spaces and so forth. So there is we're also noticing that there is a growing conversation or already existing conversation within the city about how do you readapt these spaces, especially the latter when it comes to the office spaces for for the communities here in New York. And so I think in, in its essence, I think for us, what we're really inspired about right now, being in this New York, North American context, is that we're able to apply our field research and investigation and practice from Ghana to, to um, or retrofit, let's say, to this, to this um, new geographical space. You know, in building this archive, the beauty about it is that, you know, we can operate in a satellite context. Um, and be able to empower under other individuals to work with us and collaborate with us on building this archive. So um, in tandem, we'll continue to be um, working on that pursuit. And so as Emil mentioned, if there's any listeners that are out there that knows of an unfinished building project that's in your proximity or anywhere in the world, please let us know. We'd love to include this in our archive and continue to, to expand. Well, that is a wonderful invitation, which I'm sure lots of people will take up. So Dominique and Emile, thank you very much for sharing your work and your plans with us. And thank you all for listening. You can find images of the projects that Dominique and Emile have described on our Instagram feed at design.emergency. And Paro and I look forward to welcoming you back to Design Emergency very soon, when we'll be talking to another global design leader who, like Dominique and Emile, is forging positive change. Goodbye.